0: If there's not a fit between your personality and the environment that you're in, it's just gonna be very difficult for you to have to drive impact, regardless of how much you know about your domain. The path that I've seen that's been successful are the folks who initially or earlier on in their careers have been able to associate themselves with networks that are respected.
1: You just heard a clip from our latest guest, Patrick Moran on the People of Digital Marketing Podcast. Who's Patrick? Patrick was most recently an executive in residence at ReForge, where he led the growth marketing, experimentation and testing, and brand marketing programs, which he has also co-developed. Previously, he was the head of consumer marketing at House and held marketing leadership roles at Spotify, Yik Yak, and was one of the earlier marketing leaders at Netflix during its transition to producing original content, starting with House of Cards. He is currently advising early-stage B2C companies looking to scale their profitability with marketing initiatives. I had the pleasure of having Patrick on the podcast after being a student of his in the brand marketing program within Reforge. I learned a ton while he was teaching brand marketing the basics of brand refreshes, how to create an identity, when is the right time to do a rebrand, etc., etc., I reached out and he wanted to share his thoughts on how marketers can create the best career trajectory for their lives. Now, without going too much into the details, let's just tune in and learn from Patrick Moran. Hi, Patrick. How are you? How you doing, Kenny? I'm good. Happy Friday. There's a lot of interesting topics I want to go over with you today. But before we get into any of them, let's paint the picture of who you are as a marketer can you tell the story of how you got into marketing?
0: Wow, how much time do we have? I'll try to be as succinct as possible. Uh, I, I guess I I first actually got into marketing uh, after undergrad in the Philippines, and I was a brand associate at Unilever. So that was my sort of my first flavor of of marketing, which was was basically through CBG. Uh, I went to graduate school, uh, and back back when I went to graduate school, they had a fairly Sort of fundamental perspective on marketing, which was sort of still based off of the motions of CPG and uh, those industries. So, my true foray into the marketing world that we see today really came from my uh, experience over at eBay, where they really doubled down on performance marketing. And a significant proportion of the revenue was basically coming, basically came from performance marketing. So, that's really where I learned. At least that's where I, that's my foundation in marketing is through what I learned in that sort of set of experiences. And then uh, right after that, joining Netflix as they were investing into original content and figuring out how brand plays into it. And so that had a fairly significant impact into my perspective of marketing. I think if I would have stayed at eBay and not had gone to Netflix, my perspectives would be significantly more around uh, you know, the much more sort of performance oriented. But yeah, I guess that that's sort of, uh, those are sort of the foundations for me. And uh, I guess I've spent the last year now uh, at least teaching or at least leading some of these cohorts over at Reforge around growth marketing and brand marketing, which is hopefully helpful to a lot of the members uh, who take the program. But a lot of it is predicated on, you know, my experiences over the last decade or so uh,
1: in these in these domains. There's going to be a lot of, Inflection points. That's what I'm calling them, both within the macro economy, but also in a lot of the listeners' personal lives, in their careers. Some listeners may want to reconsider what they're doing. They might reconsider what industry they're in, what role they're in in a marketing team. And this all ties to this concept of career. Trajectory or the trajectory of where your professional career is going. Can you talk to us about some of the components listeners should be considering as they're thinking about their career trajectory?
0: I could certainly talk to you about the components that were important to me, um, and I hope maybe that's 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 a helpful perspective as your listeners uh, trying to sort of uh, make their own decisions on on what might be important to them. But I guess when I look back, I think there's there's maybe three areas that have been quite important. I think the first area is around knowledge and domain level uh, expertise. I think second area is around operational impact and how to come into an organization uh, and actually drive results. And then the third, I think, is which I think is something that is tends to be overlooked is basically how are you found, right? So how can you be found? So if you think about yourself as as a brand or yourself as a product, how are you being found relative to sort of everybody else? And I think a lot of that is is predicated on the networks that you're that you that you end up or that you're able to build, right? So like I can I can go into each of those areas. I think insofar as domain expertise, I think the thing that's been really important for me is uh, the ability to go deep into a very specific uh, domain within marketing, but then having an understanding of how that domain fits in with everything else in marketing. I've benefited from being in or having been a part of a significant sort of explosion in consumer internet, and because of that, it's given me sort of the exposure that I needed to to basically see what world class looks like in a lot of these other marketing domains, right? So I come from a world where like, I have to truly understand unit economics and how to impact unit economics. And if you think about unit economics from an ROI perspective, there's your LTV or the value of your user, and then there's the cost to acquire them. And then there's how long does it take to pay that back? Right. And for the longest time. I optimize on the cost side, right? So basically bringing users in, but then there's the other side, which is, okay, well, how do we then extract more value through existing users? Right. And so from that standpoint, you then expand into, okay, well, there's the acquisition side, but then there's the retention side. And then even within those two things, uh, it's like, okay, well, where does product marketing fit in? How does product marketing sort of provide impact to that, right? And so, there, the product marketing organizations or the product marketing teams are usually the ones who bring products out into the market. But at the same time, they have a fairly deep relationship with the product team in figuring out the features that they need to launch. And then, how does that fit with the brand marketing team? And how does that? How does? How does what we're doing sort of align with, uh, you know, kind of like the overall brand strategy? So I think, so domain experience I think was really important relative to how it fit within all the marketing uh, teams. And then from there, um, I wouldn't say that it was easy, but my line of sight, the expanding my breath, just became a little bit clearer, right? Because I now know, or at least have learned how these all relate within, uh, within the marketing sort of landscape. And then I think like maybe like the third sort of level or maybe another level on top of that is then how does marketing fit into the impact or making an impact to the business? Right, I think that a lot of people tend to sort of overlook that, but it's like, you know what? No, I live in marketing. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to drive in more users and and what have you. But having an understanding of how the business works, how users or customers flow in and out of your your product or your platform uh, and how you generate revenue and what are the costs associated with generating that revenue gives you a better understanding of how marketing fits within the business. Uh, And so at least you have that level of
1: Like contact. Can I jump in real quick? Because when you're talking about this, as someone who's experienced this change in mindset myself, I'm in my eighth year of being a marketer. It took seven years for me to realize as a marketer that I'm not just supposed to be figuring out acquisition. I'm also supposed to be figuring out how do you keep the customer? How do all of the channels impact the business overall? And once I started realizing that I got promoted, I got better at my job. And I now understand that as a marketer, if I really want to level up, I need to understand the business that I'm in.
0: Yeah. And, and I think it it all sort of builds on itself, right? Because I think if you're able to determine what is important for the business and then to your point, you're now given the opportunities to actually build the team, figuring out like what to invest in, what infrastructure to build. Um, that only then by de facto means you're broadening your scope, right? And so it all sort of builds on yourself. But I think, so that's one is sort of one thing that, that I think has been really important is sort of domain level knowledge. I think the second thing is, is operational impact. And operational impact, I think has a lot to do with your personality skill set matched with your environment. And again, right? Like everybody wants to go to company A or sexy company B or what have you, but if you're unable to work, and I've learned this the hard way many times, if there's not a fit between your personality and the environment that you're in, it's just going to be very difficult for you to have to drive impact, regardless of how much you know about your domain. I think there's that, I mean, I think it's also, at least my mental framework in that situation is, okay, well, what is the long, what is, what is my line of sight to my long-term goal? Like, what is the, what is, what does success look like in 12 months for my role? And how do I operationalize that on a day-to-day basis to get there? Right? So it's, it's this interplay between long-term and short-term, but generally speaking, I think that's, I think that's important. And then the third thing is how how are you being found either internally or externally? And I mean, I think the advice, so I've gotten a lot of folks who have asked me for advice on, okay, well, how do they start their careers in marketing? Uh, You know, what should they do? And I think the path at least that I've seen be successful, I'm not saying that this is the only path, but the path that I've seen that's been successful are the folks who initially or earlier on in their careers have been able to associate themselves with networks that are respected. And so what I mean by that is, okay, well, there's a networks that are respected, meaning insofar as company is concerned, right? So he worked for Google, he worked for Netflix, she worked for the Facebook, she worked for, you know, Twitter, whatever it is, right? And so whether or not you're better or worse uh, as a performer than some other person in the same domain, but in a different network. Is relatively immaterial to the people who are looking for people to fill those roles, and the first thing they think of is how can I tap into the Google network or the Facebook network or what have you. It's just the reality of the situation. And so, company company is certainly what type of network. Uh, the people that you work with, your bosses, you know, the people you manage, uh, those are also smaller networks. And how are they working within this space? How are they finding their ways, right? So if you look at, let's say, to be very specific, let's say Web3, and you know there are a lot of small companies uh, within the Web3 space um, that don't have the name of a Google or a Facebook or what have you, but they're able to build networks within themselves that have influence within that space so that when they talk, people listen. Are you associated with that network, right? And ultimately, I think the goal is, well, if, if somebody is looking, For someone to help solve something inside a company or outside of your company, are they thinking about you as maybe one, two, or three of the list of people that they would reach out to, independent of how impactful you have been? You know, I mean, obviously you have to engage in conversation and prove out your sort of knowledge and what have you, but the amount of mental space that people have in figuring out the top three or four or five things to choose is very limited. If I ask you right now, name me all the banks that you were to engage in, it's going to be a lot shorter. The list is going to be significantly shorter than the number of banks that are available in the country, regardless of how good some of these banks are relative to everybody else. Right. So, so, um, so I think, I think those are the three areas I think that have been sort of areas at least that have been really important to me, uh, I guess, over the last, you know, decade or so.
1: Was the switch that you made from performance to brand intentional? Like, how did you make that switch in the first place?
0: So I guess, um, I mean, we, we could probably talk about, like, the definitions of performance of brand, but uh, I'll be specific and, and isolated into a different type of media buying, right? So there's certain types of media buying, which is very uh, fixated on, on backing into predetermined sort of ROI. Uh, And then there's media that you typically buy, quote unquote, in order to drive, you know, other, other types of metrics, whether it's some level of awareness or consideration or uh, association or something like that. So at Netflix, when I joined, that was also the time where uh, the company was uh, essentially shifting from a streaming or a DVD business into a streaming business into an entertainment business. And I think at that point, the company realized that they needed to make a sort of a significant change in how they show up into the world and be seen as an inter- entertainment business for a few reasons, right? One is obviously for end users to take note, but the other reason obviously is, is because they're also competing with some of the bigger entertainment companies at the time, like HBO, and Showtime and, you know, the usual sort of suspects in in entertainment uh, for content, right? So they really needed, they wanted to be known as an entertainment company. And in order to do that, one of the levers in order to get there is media. And so that's how I ended up shifting or at least expanding my domain breadth from using media to acquire users into using media. To try and alter perception, and the way that we did that, or at least the initial ways that we were doing that, was to actually run sort of A/B tests uh, and figure out the right experimentation structure in order to determine the impact, like the effects of of those media buys. Because the question that we wanted to answer was: if we're going to spend X amount of dollars on this campaign today, how will we know whether we want to spend two two times that amount or half that amount? Tomorrow, right? So those were some of the things that we were trying to figure out. And that's how I got sort of my, I guess, my first exposure into sort of this new or different type of marketing.
1: Whenever I ask this question, it seems very loaded because of how vague it is. Like it doesn't really, there's no hard or fast rule for this, but I want to know your opinion. One, should a marketer. Specialize at the beginning of their career, or be a generalist. And then the second part to that is, what are the pros and cons to being a specialist?
0: So uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll take a little bit of a different perspective on this one. I guess the first thing is that the most important thing earlier on in their in, in a marketer's career is to actually drive impact, because it's only through driving impact that you're uh, able to be given uh, more responsibility, so on and so forth. Ideally within an organization where, again, it has sort of high association to success, right? And in order to do that, typically I think you have to really understand your domain well in order to drive impact. And in order for you to understand your domain well, you probably need to understand how to specialize in that. Um, there are a lot of folks or a lot of leaders who come in who are new to certain domains, but the better leaders that I've known are able to transfer their sort of mental discipline from their expertise and use frameworks to then associate into new domains. So I guess that's a sort of a long-winded way of me saying that from my experience, it's usually Uh, much more impactful to start off uh, being a domain expert or an expert uh, and specialize in one thing uh, and then eventually broaden from there.
1: Let's dive a little deeper into increased scope of work. For the marketers this year who are finding themselves successfully gaining more responsibilities through the hard work and impact that is being shown, what advice do you have for them when it comes to dealing with a, a bigger scope of work?
0: There's a couple of things. I think one, can you define uh, specifically what impact you're going to be making to the organization relative to the scope of work that you are, or at least the breadth of of scope that, that you're uh, eventually or essentially getting, right? And um, I think the other thing then is also having, at least for me, having a great understanding of what great looks like relative to what's in your organization, right? And so I'll always look into either other leaders or other professionals or potentially peers within that organization so that I have a benchmark or a baseline for what great looks like, right? And what great looks like is fairly unique relative to the organization because there's a cultural aspect to it. There's an operational aspect to it. Um, There's, okay, well, how do you show up? How do you communicate? And then ultimately,
1: like, how is impact sort of driven uh, in these situations? But Sorry to interrupt again, but quickly defining impact, is it always revenue? No.
0: So, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a, that's a really great point. I think it's something that I've sort of overlooked and in, in seeing that they were driving impact. So one of the things that I've seen companies do is that they know how to learn quickly. And so there's a they there they have been able to operationalize an iteration process in order to learn faster than, I guess maybe their competitors insofar as how to drive impact or how to drive much more engagement from their customers or their users. And driving impact to me, yes, means uh, hitting potentially or potentially hitting a number, but I think equally it also means being able to understand, what processes or motions need to be set in place in order to drive this sort of rapid level of learning. Even if you ask like, or or listen to any of the podcasts from any of the leaders at Spotify, they that's what they value the most, is uh, how do we learn faster than everybody else? Uh, and how do we build the processes uh, in the company to be able to sort of accomplish
1: that? Let's take a step back. And talk about brand marketing for a second. There are always misconceptions around brand and for the marketers who just can't get it, and I was like this for a very, very long time. How would you distill the concept of brand marketing?
0: There is a difference between brand marketing and brand advertising. And I think the misconception is that there's this, that they're one and the same. Right. And because of that. Then there's this, okay, well, you know, we need a brand marketer versus we need a performance marketer. And then you run into sort of this sort of entire situation. I think over time, I think what I've realized is a better way to look at it or a better way to think about it is what is your distribution strategy? And does your narrative reinforce your brand strategy uh, for distribution? And so if you look at it from that standpoint, um, then it's a little bit of a different perspective or a different take on things, right? Because everything that comes out of the company or every sort of communication lever that the company uses impacts the brand, right? Whether it's, you know, you're, you're you you want to acquire users within seven days, or you know, you wanna just you you want to inform your, you know, potential customers of a certain launch or what have you. And the media that you would end up using is very specific and unique relative to the goals that you have for marketing, right? I mean, and I'll give you a couple of examples of that. So Spotify rap campaign, right? The Spotify rap campaign doesn't have TV associated with it. There's, no, they're not buying, you know, a whole bunch of media, a significant proportion of the media that they use or distribution that they use is actually on the product, right? So you use is that is a that brand campaign, Is that it performs, right? So, so I think, I think that's maybe one way to think about it. But if I were to distill it into different components, I'd probably distill it maybe three components. The first component is how do you show up to your customer? And that's where you have a fundamentally sort of strong set of, you have a a relationship with the product team because, well, first your product is probably your biggest brand asset. But second, everything that is expressed by your service affects the brand customer service, sales, product, PR, media, advertising, right? So the first thing is how do you show up, right? So I think that's the first component is kind of like, how do you define your identity? And I think a lot of that is driven by a handful of different things. The second thing is distribution, right? And so then it's like, okay, well, you know, there's many different ways to distribute. There's your push media, right? So whether that's Facebook or display or what have you. There's your poll media, whether it's like content or SEO or how do you, but then there's partnerships, there's PR, there's, there's a handful of different things, right? So that's distribution. And I think distribution is also predicated on time. And then the third is, well, how do you reinforce this over the course of time? Right. And so I think the mistake that a lot of people make is that, okay, well, we're going to define a brand strategy, blah, 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 we're going to put it in a, in a deck. And then, you know, people are excited about it. And then nobody ever hears or sees it again, like over the next like 12 months. So that's sort of the reinforcement. And I think like an example of this is something that we were just talking about offline, which was, well, if you're now going to use AI tools to develop content, these AI tools require prompts. And one of the prompts is what is your tone? And you can't be play that you can't take it for granted anymore, right? Because especially if you want to scale content and scale your assets, you have to be consistent with tone right? And that's what I mean by reinforcement and governance. So I think those, those are like kind of like three areas. And so that's why I don't think it's just a matter of advertising. I do think that it is a fairly strong partnership with the leadership team, especially the product team, because how you show up consistently, I think, matters a lot, especially if you're in, the, in an industry or a space that is fairly commoditized and you have just a lot of competitors, right? And so... The ones who will win are the ones, I guess, who understand their customers better than everybody else and is able to show up consistently relative to their strategy or their brand strategy.
1: Let's talk about learning for a second and learning in specifically in the role of a marketer. Outside of experience, what other recommendations would you have for marketers listening to this to learn more and get that domain experience, that domain knowledge? that they're going to need to then make an impact in their teams?
0: Um, I mean, I think there's a couple of, there's a couple of areas. I think one is again, sort of your network and being able to just reach out to folks who are really great at different domains or are even great in your domain. Right. And, uh, just being able to just consistently have those conversations and learn from them. And then like, like. I think there are programs like Reforge and other programs uh, like that that codify a lot of this uh, into actual frameworks. And I think for me, at least, it's been, Reforge has just sort of been a godsend to me because it's allowed me to expand my domain knowledge to not just marketing, but also product and relatively growth. So I think those are maybe, you know, two other areas. But I think between those three, I think, you know, usually folks will be able to to gather some fairly, uh, you know, solid sets of experiences at least uh
1: to be able to move forward before i ask my last question one piece of advice i can share now that i've experienced it firsthand you got to find a way to start a show now the show doesn't need to be video it can just be audio but it's the perfect excuse to meet people who are smarter than you you can make it specific to the channel that you're working in if you've found that channel so let's say for example you want to make the media buying show. And obviously, there's a better way of naming it. You can use that as your excuse to then meet all the media buying professionals who are experts in the domain. If you don't want to do video or audio, find a way to just use the basic written format and reach out to people, ask them questions in written form, ask them just to respond via LinkedIn DM. There's a whole bunch of ways to do it there. And if you don't want to create content, then the other side hustle is to have a side hustle. So that can be you are promoting local dentist offices in your state or it can be that you want to start a dog walking business and at the same time market that dog walking business as a case study there's a lot of things that you can do outside of your nine to five and i'm of the opinion that to be really competitive and i've been struggling with this idea but I, i come to the conclusion that to be really competitive in this market you can't just rely on your nine to five anymore Hiring managers are going to want to see what do you do outside of work to make sure that you can keep up with everyone else. Um, I'm speaking in general terms, though, because I'm sure some hiring managers will just care about what you're doing on your nine to five. But it never, it doesn't not help to have a side hustle is what I'm basically trying to say.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, right? Because it basically provides you with much more sort of nuanced context into how these things actually work, right? Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's no, there's no substitute for being in the arena, right. And actually, you know, being a part of all of this. And yeah, I mean, I could, uh, I, I completely agree, right. I mean, like right now I'm basically sort of advising companies and it's one thing to understand how to start your own advisory business. It's another thing to actually get out there and start reaching out to folks and go through the motions and the nitty gritty, right? So
1: yeah, I I certainly couldn't agree more. You can learn frameworks, but until your manager tells you, hey, we have these three campaigns that we need to launch in a month, that's when you put everything you know to the test. So Patrick, my last question for you is hypothetical because time machines don't exist. But if one did, and you can go back in time about 10 years into the past, knowing everything you know today, How would you specifically accelerate the speed of your career?
0: I guess I don't know that I would necessarily change anything because I also have my own rate and way of learning. And I just don't know that I would have learned what I needed to learn and be able to sort of internalize a lot of that without having been through all of the stuff that I've been through, including all the heartaches. If you were to ask me to go back 20 years, um, then I think um, my answer would be a little bit different in that um, there was sort of a fairly old way of learning from back in my era uh, around reading uh, and then sort of doing uh, and then just kind of like going through the linear process. Whereas today, um, I think if I were able to sort of better learn how to ingest information, figure out mental frameworks, determine patterns and uh, how things work, uh, and learn that way, um, I think you know, I would have been set up for a little bit more of a a better process. but the thing is i'm I'm a product of my time, right? So that's... <laughs> So that's that's sort of my perspective on that one.
1: Patrick, thank you for your time today. If anyone wanted to say hello to you online, where can they go to find you?
0: Um, yeah, you just find me on LinkedIn. So uh, yeah I think I think my it's PC Moran uh, is my is my LinkedIn sort of suffix so
1: yeah awesome. And thank you to you listener for listening to another episode of the People Digital marketing podcast and as always, I hope everyone has a great day. If you've listened this far into the episode, thank you. I appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you can, leave a review on Apple or Spotify. On the next episode of the podcast, I will have Ali Schwanki on the show. She is the CEO and founder of SimpleStrap and is an expert in CRMs, specifically HubSpot. And in the next episode, we'll be going over CRM adoption, why didn't so many CRM adoptions fail in the first place? The basics on how to consider using a CRM for your business, whether you're B2B or B2C. How B2B companies specifically can create a solid audience building strategy. Is lead scoring still effective? And other great topics. So again, if you have to subscribe, please do so. Because if not, you'll miss out when this episode goes out. And as always, thanks for listening.